So I'm, I'm delivering the word to you today. Are you guys ready? Are you hungry? Did you come hungry this morning? Do you have your Bibles ready? Get your apps out, whatever you got. Those, those paper things, they're called books. So I don't know if you have this with you. Oh, my goodness. I'm trying to adapt to reading books on, like, a tablet. I'm not, I love holding a paper book in my hand. I don't know if anybody else is like that. Um, but I do a lot of my scripture reading on my phone, but I'm trying to adapt for my girls as I teach them because I use some of books that are not available in our library anymore, and it's on the tablet. I'm just not. I want the book. I want to smell it. Anyway, side note, nothing to do with what we're talking about today. But do you know that this, over the centuries, has, there's been an attempt to destroy this book over and over and over again, and it still stands that ought to tell us something. I've heard of so many um, stories about how our houses were on fire and the only thing left fully in contact in the house is the Bible. I know somebody whose truck caught on fire and the only thing left inside the truck was the Bible. Everything else was burned to ashes. So the word of God is powerful and effective and it's living and nothing can stop it from advancing. No human, no, no law, come on. You've got Christians in China who are not allowed to possess it, but have gotten little pieces of paper and memorized what's on the paper, and, and, and they could be jailed for even having the piece of paper with scripture on it, but they're eating it like it's food, like they, could, they can't get enough of it, and then they pass it on to somebody else, and they don't actually have the book, but they have the book. They treasure it. And I, that, to me, is always just such a challenge to my heart to be in the word, to be reading the word of God because it's, it's, our, it's our life, bread, and blood. Amen? Whew. So last week, over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about harvest, and we feel 2021 is the year to harvest the promises of God. Harvest the promises of God. Has he promised your family's salvation? Has he promised a miracle that you haven't seen come to fruition, it's time to step in and say, how can I partner with you to make this promise come about? It's not about getting what we want. It's about his will being done on earth, okay? Hear me. I'm not talking about God is not a genie, okay? But he has given you words. He has given you promises. He's given you family to love and, and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Call them home. Call them home. Some of you are like, they're not living with me again. I don't mean that. You know what I mean. Last week we talked about being activated for harvest. And activate was a very key word. To, to activate is to make something active or operative. We're not dead. We're alive. Yes? The church is alive and active. And we are not just doing a religion. We have an alive father. You see, every other religion on earth has dead gods. We have a very living God. So we are to be active in preaching the gospel. I'm not a preacher. Oh, boy. Never say never to God. That's what I've learned. Okay? 
Jason, you, you end up standing up here starting to preach the gospel, and you never even thought you'd ever be in the church, let alone on the stage preaching the gospel, right? You never say never. You don't know what he's going to ask you to do, but it doesn't matter. He's the one equipping you to do it, so do it. Amen? So last week, we talked about eight characteristics of believers and how we can be activated in our community. You see, when you cut life way open, what does she bleed? Does she bleed selfishness, anger, division? Or does she bleed love, grace, peace, mercy? On the screen are eight characteristics. A sublime harmony. This is the body of Christ. Demonstration of affectionate brotherly love. I'm oozing with love for you, Taylor and Danielle. It's gross. I just love you so much. Okay, don't be weird. That was weird. <laughs> okay, sympathy. Compassion is another good word for sympathy. Don't blow somebody off if they're crying and they need somebody to sit next to them. This is, what's, this is what happens in the body. We are there for each other. Kindness, humility, fervent love, never retaliating evil for evil or insult for insult. I am trying to teach my children that. Oh my goodness. Okay, we're not even going to go there. Speaking blessing over those who mistreat us. Man, that one. Instead of going and saying, they did this to me, and I'm right, and they're wrong, and huh. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> you don't even have to tell anybody else that. The Lord knows your heart. Right? You don't even have to say that out loud. The Lord knows my heart, and he knows when I'm speaking blessings. When I, am, when I am saying, but I, I, it, it hurt me, but Lord, bless them. Heal my heart. Don't let me hold any kind of bitterness or anger in my heart. They're my brother and sister in Christ, because sometimes we mess up. I mean, don't, do you ever, like, do something that, you know, was, you're like, why did I open my mouth? Okay. We have to have immeasurable grace, because we have been given immeasurable grace, and that means even if they turn their back and slap you in the face and turn their back and walk away, you bless them, Lord, bless them, Lord, bless them, the Lord. And it really takes a humble heart to say, okay, God, I really want you to get them, but will you bless them? Come on. I, I, I'm walking this. And, and when the Lord convicts me, when the Spirit of God convicts me, I know I gotta set my heart right again. I'm not speaking blessing. Speak blessing. Praise God. Praise God. Bless them, Lord. So this, to be activated as the body of Christ, there cannot be, Travis talked about it last week, any division among us. We cannot let any kind of um, disunity, division stand. We have to go to our brother when we have an issue. We have to talk it out. We have to communicate. Sometimes we have to, to encounter conflict. Who likes conflict? Ugh. But I'm telling you what, when it's done in love, when it's done in Jesus, it is the best thing ever because you feel closer than ever. Love your brother. I remember my mom telling me that when I was young. In honor preferring one another. I know. <laughs> it's true. Spirit of God lives in me. And I want to manifest his love and his kindness and his grace. The fruit of the spirit, please, Lord, work that 
out, trim off anything, cut off anything that doesn't belong. I want to I wanna love people like you love them. Yeah, full of forgiveness. The Lord's Prayer, we say kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The Lord's Prayer ends with forgiveness. Forgive me so that I can forgive. And then he says, don't forget to forgive because I'm forgiving you. It's like a, it's like a cycle that should never be broken. And that is one of the biggest barriers. I think a lot of people come to CR for that. I can't forgive. I'm angry. They hurt me. It's, it's deep. And some things are really, really hard. But Jesus loves coming into the really, really, really hard and changing us into his image. It's hard to do on our own. We can't forgive on our own. Come on. This isn't even in the notes. Activation. Becoming an operative of the spirit only comes through relationship with Jesus. Unity in the body of Christ only comes if we are seeking intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week. We cannot be unified if we're trying to do it in our own strength. We have to be intimate with the Father personally for there to be unity in our homes, unity in our church, and unity in the community. Oh, that rhymed. (laughs) Write that down. That was a really good line. We talked about three words the last couple weeks, intimacy, identity, increase. Over the last two years, we've been in a place where we have established probably like a broken record. Who are you? Who are you? Who does he say you are? We have to come to a place of intimacy where we know I'm a daughter, I'm a son of the living God Almighty. I have been adopted. Come on. Have you been adopted? You're part of the family. Who are you? But you can only know that. It's like intimacy produces identity. We can tell you all day long, now you're a daughter of the king. I know, I know, I know. Thanks for telling me over and over and over again. But when you step into the presence of God, when you begin to worship him, when you read the word of God, when you do your devotions every day, that's where he establishes your identity. So your intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit flows into your identity. You're like, yes, I am a daughter of the King. Come on. And I wasn't doing that to be proud. I was doing that to say, you you know who your father is. When you know who your daddy is, nothing else matters, right? Intimacy, identity. And then the third word we're going to talk about this year a lot, increase. When you're with the Father, when you know who you are, increase comes automatically. An increase of boldness to tell somebody about Jesus. An increase of love, an increase of mercy, an increase of peace, an increase. If you're not experiencing increase, go back to the closet and get with the Lord. He's going to bring increase into your life. It's a guarantee. It's a result of being with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Things will change. But you can't sit there and say, I asked God the other day and he didn't do it. Well, did you talk to him again today? Did you talk to him the day after that? Did you demand or did you just bring your request to the Lord? Did you declare it? Because there are certain things we just declare and it's done. So out of our intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we know who we are in Christ We are seated in heavenly places, and we get to walk in power and authority. Not our power, come on, not our glory, not our authority, his. 
And I feel that in this season, in the last two years, the enemy has really tried to steal identity. It's really good nobody was right there because I just spit and it flew right there. <laughs> I mean, yeah, put your mask up. I won't go <laughs> You can see it happening. Identity stolen. I don't know who I am. I don't know if I'm a man or a woman. I don't know if I should be dead or alive. I don't know. And his, he's amped up. I'm going to steal your, even in the church. You're weak. Jesus doesn't do that anymore. Don't you dare believe for that. Don't you raise your hand. Somebody will think that you're crazy. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I was dancing the pins out of my hair today. I'm like, okay, I got to fix this back up because I'm like, and it reminded me of my granny. My dad told me my great granny, she used to, there's one. Oh, okay. <laughs> she used to dance that she, Pentecostal glory, and she would dance the pins out of her hair. And her hair would have been up in a neat bun by the end of the service. It would have been all down and all over the place. But we know who we are. We know our job. We've talked about the Great Commission, period, end of story. This is what we're here to do is accomplish his love for the world. So today I want to tell you a story about a man named Nicodemus because I want to remind us one more time of the truth of who we are. Go to John 3, verse 1 through 6 with me this morning. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation today, this passage. We love using all different translations, so sorry if you have your favorite one and we never use it. Um, you can text us and say, hey, use this one. I really like this one. But we have a few that we glean from, and it's so good. So let's go ahead and read John 3, 1 through 6. Nicodemus, I'll just give you a really quick backstory. Nicodemus was a religious Jewish leader. And he um, got wind that there's someone doing miracles, signs, and wonders. And he's, I got to meet that guy. But I'm not going to meet that guy in daylight because I'm a religious leader. And if I go to him, I could get persecuted or, you know, questioned by going to this man. So I'm going to go to him under the cover of night. I'm going to go meet with him in the dark. And Nicodemus, though, what I love about him, and I love the chosen, the way they portray him, I love it. But what I love about him is that he was hungry. And despite all of his religious rearing in the, the Torah, he knew, though, this is the cool thing, he knew all of the word. And he knew there was a prophecy that a Messiah was coming, didn't he? He knew it. So there was something in him that said, I want to see that Messiah. I have faith that he's coming. And so Nicodemus made a way to get to Jesus to see if this guy was really the one because he was fulfilling the prophecies. And he's like, I got to know who this guy is. We don't know what happened to him after this. But I, oh man, I don't know how you aren't changed when you meet Jesus. I'm sure that he couldn't go back to life the way that it was. You can't. Especially when you've known the law and you're seeing someone bring a completely different redemption, a fullness, a completion of it. Right? So let's read the story now, finally. Okay. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, 
right there. Nicodemus used the word teacher, rabbi. He identified him as a teacher. That's important. He said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus, how can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Good question, right? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. So you're born, and then you're born of the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual life. You can keep reading in the story as Jesus teaches Nicodemus, and it's such a beautiful story, but I want to focus in on, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. I want every, every person that I can know the kingdom of God to be born again. But what does born again mean? To be born again in the Greek, I looked up the Greek word born. Genoa, Genoa, I think is how you say it. We'll go with it. Born, beget to bring forth. Born again then means brought forth from above. When you are in Christ, when you say, yes, Jesus, I need you in my life, I believe, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. This comes right after this story. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Nicodemus had no idea what he was talking about. But Jesus is saying, I love you so much that I came to not just forgive you and keep you where you are, but to birth something new in you. But not just like new, it's like the original you you were supposed to be before sin entered the picture. So it's a new original He had plans for you. He knew your name. He knew your parents. He knew your DNA. He knew, he knows you. And when when Nicodemus, when Jesus tells Nicodemus, you got to be born again, born from above, God puts you back into right standing with him. He puts you into your original intent. He originally created you to know him and love him and be in relationship with him. So something new is birthed in you, new to you, but original to God. This is what happens when we say yes to Jesus. But you see, I love Nicodemus. He had all the knowledge He had revelation. He had the word. But he had to have an experience with Jesus. We can't just have the head knowledge. We have to have the intimacy and the experience. Jesus didn't just go out and preach to people. He healed them. He raised them from the dead. He didn't just talk to the blind man and and say, "Your, your, your sins are forgiven. He healed his eyes. And I think that because we know that as believers in Jesus Christ, if we're born from above, which I love that term, you're born from above, and we're going to get into that, but like, what does that mean for us? What can we do when we experience Jesus and we say yes to him and he restores us into right standing? Now what? You receive the revelation that you're a sinner. 
needing a savior. Then you experience the rebirth of your life. You experience being born from above. Sinner turned saint. I was one way, but now I'm completely different. I was one way, but now I'm completely different. I don't know what happened to me. You were born from above. That's what happened to you. You were restored to right standing in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to you. When people encounter Jesus, they're like, I, I, I don't know. I just quit cussing because I just didn't want to do it anymore. I just stopped smoking because I didn't have a desire for it anymore. Whatever. And, and, and so, I was one way, but now I'm a different way. I'm watching this in CR and seeing people testify to the goodness of God. I was one way. Ron was one way, but now Ron walks a completely different way because you're born from above. And if you read in verse 6, it says, humans can reproduce only human life. Hear me. Humans can only reproduce human life. Okay, you can't produce aliens. Despite all the sci-fi stuff, like, we can only produce human life. But the spirit gives birth to spiritual life. But the spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Jesus was inviting Nicodemus to not just have knowledge, but all the knowledge was about to give birth into a new original life God had always intended him to have. Heaven touching earth. Stay on your notes. You have been reborn from above. To be born from above means you are not of this world anymore. How many of you feel that? I feel like an alien in this place. I mean, we were driving down the road and we had went to Starbucks this week. And I'm like, um, are we in the United States anymore? Like just Starbucks, you know, just... We went, we went to Canton, we walked around the mall, I'm like, where, what, I feel like an alien in my home country. Anybody feel that way? But it's not just what we're experiencing in the nation right now. This is, this is how we feel as believers, right? We're aliens here. But I'm going to tell you more about what that means in a second. You are one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Don't believe me? Read John 17 in its entirety. It's beautiful. And Jesus says that you would be one as we are one. We are one with him. We have been born from above. If you want a a mental picture, it's like a beam from heaven to earth on you, Andy, and you're like, glory. Does that feel like that all the time? Oh, good. I'm glad. I was not expecting that answer. Even if you can't see him, he's there. You have been born. Oh, I just hit my mouth. You have been born of the Spirit. You have been born from above. Right? That's so exciting. (laughs) It's time to bring forth, birth the promises that have been shut up, shut down, and locked up by fear. Come on. Jesus didn't pay this great price. For a church that just stayed inside and didn't do anything. Didn't tell anybody how good he is. Do we believe how good he is? We have been born from above. Glory. But we make the excuse. Do you ever make an excuse? I can't do that. Because what? A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like this one. You're too afraid to pray for a miracle because, I'm going to have Debbie answer this one. 
I did prepare her for this. You're too afraid to pray for a miracle because? Because the enemy says to me, why do you think your prayers would ever be answered? Who are you to pray that bold of a prayer and expect it to be answered? Anybody ever heard that voice before? Art, you came to my mind when I was writing this part. What does is, what is the enemy lie to you about, about what you should do or not do? Just about everything, just about your confidence, your, your confidence in God. That Just like Debbie said, what, what makes you think that you're above somebody else, that he's going to answer your prayer and not somebody else's? <laughs> Being a Michigan fan. <laughs> Chuck, what has the enemy lied to you about? Don't listen to him. It's so funny, your face, his face, and her face are the ones that I'm like, I got to get to them. I don't listen to him. That's good. That's it. It's everything. Did you ever once see Jesus doubt the Father? Who? Come again? Did he ever walk around saying, I don't know if God's going to do that, but I'll try? He said, I only do what I hear him say to do, and I only say what I hear him say to say. Never once did doubt come out of his mouth. Why? Because he was intimate with the Father. He knew his Father. He knew his voice. Why else? Because he knew he was the Son of God. Because when he went to get baptized, the Lord opened up heaven and said, this is my beloved Son whom I love, who I am well pleased. I want you to know that when you said yes to Jesus, heaven opened up and he said, this is my beloved Son, my beloved daughter who I am well pleased. That's what happens when you are born again. When you are born from above, you are now an operative of the Spirit of God. (laughs) Having been born of the Spirit because of the Son. 1 John 2, 5 through 6, I quoted this during our altar time or our worship time. But the love of God will be perfected within the one who obeys God's word. Does it say the law of God will be perfected in the one who obeys God's word? His law is love, right? It's what the word says. The love of God will be perfected in the one who obeys his word. Not if I do all the right things, if I say all the right things, if I strive and strive and strive and strive. Nope, the love of God. Lift your head. Follow him. His perfection in you. Keep going. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying, I'm intimate with God, but by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. In another version, it says, walk as he walked. How many of us are like, I never see this, or I I don't know how to do that, or I can't. We we can't make excuses. We're done, because There's no excuses. We're not changing our theology. Oh, he doesn't do miracles today. No, uh uh-uh, nope, not changing our theology. Jesus said it. He did it. I believe it. I'll stand on it, and I'll move in it, period, end of story. We will not, just because we don't see him do it one time doesn't mean we shouldn't pray again. 
If you want to see healing manifest, pray over every single person you can, and you will see it. I guarantee it. If you're doing it for your glory, mm, but if you're doing it to see the glory of heaven touch the person you're praying for, done in Jesus' name. Jesus, let's see, when you know the king, I think this quote is up here. Sorry, Troy, I'm a little out of order. When you know the king, the kingdom manifests. It naturally, continually manifests. When you know the king, what comes out of you? The kingdom. Kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is the example, not the exception. But Jesus was God. No, actually, he set aside his God-likeness. And he came as a human. But he came as a human who had intimacy with the Father. And out of intimacy with the Father, he moved in union with the Father, the Son, as the Son, the Holy Spirit moving in him. And he performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. But he did it as a human. We can't make the excuse, well, Jesus is God, so Jesus did it because he's God. No, he set aside that. And he only did what his father said to do. And he only said what his father said to say. So how did he move? He moved out of the authority and power of the Holy Spirit and the the grace of God on on his life as a human being on earth. How are you supposed to move as he moved? You are as he is. 1 John 4, 17. You are as he is in this world. There's another verse that Laura quoted about when you get baptized. She quoted it in CR, and I can't remember the verse, but it was when you lay down your old life, you rise up covered in glorious new robes. That's being born from above, born of the Spirit. He has commanded us to go out and harvest. John 17 says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Jesus is praying for us. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Are you made just halfway righteous by the truth of the word of God and the son's sacrifice? Are you holy righteous? Are you holy? Because he said, as they believe in me and the truth that you give them, they are made holy. Be made holy I have given them the glory you gave me. What do you have in your hands? What did he just say he gave you? I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you will love them as much as you love me. How will they know who we follow? by our love for each other and our love for our king and by moving in that love. You have been reborn from above. Walk like him, talk like him. I wanna read you one more passage of scripture the Lord took me to this week. We are called to reap, to call forth the longing to be reborn in the hearts of others. Come on. It's time to birth Women in the house, you know what birthing is like, right? And men in the house, you know what birthing is like, right? Like, oh, dear God, thank you for making me a man. Travis says it all the time. 
Sometimes doing what God says can be, you're going to face trials of many kinds. Right? But those trials refine us. They don't break us. Come on. They refine us into the glory of the king. We need to pull into him and begin to look more like him when we face a trial of every kind. Because he's birthing something out of you. He's birthing his plan out of you. And his plan is that all may know him. Come on. Hebrews 11.11 says, Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power to conceive. Sarah was 99 years old when, 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 right, am I saying 90 years old? Abraham was 99. 90 years old when God said, you're going to have a baby. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Let it be someone else, Lord. <laughs> Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power to conceive, even though she was barren and, and was past the age of childbearing. For the authority of her faith rested on the one who made the promise, and she tapped into his faithfulness. The authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. This is before being born from above. This is before when the Spirit walks with us every single day. And if Sarah can believe at 90 years old that she can birth the son who, wow, keep reading. In fact, so many children were subsequently fathered by this aged man of faith, one who was a, as good as dead. And he now has offspring as innumerable as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in the sky. If Sarah can tap into the faithfulness and the promise of God, so can you. He's given you a promise. It is as simple as saying, I know who I am. I know whose I am. Yeah? And I know what he wants to do in and through my life. You have been born from above. Now, what is the Father inviting you to bring forth from the Spirit? We are not of this world. We were born from above. Let your faith move, groove, and be active and alive. Groove. Ooze. I want to read to you one more thing as we wrap it up. I heard this letter read this week. It's called A Letter to Diogenes. Diogenes was a Greek ruler in AD 283, somewhere in there, long time ago. And this letter was written by a Greek man to this Greek ruler, describing Christians in the world. So if somebody right now were to say, I'm going to write a letter to President so-and-so, <laughs> intentional with that because the Lord is working and there's a lot happening this week and we need to pray over our government like we've never prayed before. Okay? I'm not, anyway. Okay. Describing Christians in the world. So he's writing this letter. So we're, what if somebody wrote a letter about us today? What would they say? This is what this man said about Christians. He wasn't a Christian and the guy he was writing to wasn't a Christian. So hear this. Christians are indistinguishable from other men, either by nationality, language, or customs. They do not inhabit separate cities of their own 
or speak in a strange dialect or follow some outlandish way of life. Their teaching is not based upon reveries inspired by the curiosity of men. Unlike somehow other people, unlike some other people, they champion no purely human doctrine. Who? Oh. With regard to dress, food, and manner of life in general, they follow the customs of whatever city they happen to live in, whether it is Greek or foreign. And yet, there is something extraordinary about their lives. They live in their own countries as though they were only passing through. They play their full role as citizens, but labor under all the disabilities of aliens. Any country can be their homeland, but for them, their homeland, wherever it may be, is a foreign country. Like others, they marry and have children, but they do not expose them. During this time, it was pagan practice of putting your children out to die. They share their meals, but not their wives. They live in the flesh, but they are not governed by its desires. Hmm. Woo! They pass their days upon earth, but they are citizens of heaven. Obedient to the law, they yet live on a level that transcends the law. Christians love all men, but all men persecute them. Condemned because they are not understood. They are put to death, but raised to life again. Ha ha ha! Sorry, that's so good. <laughs> yes. They live in poverty, but enrich many. They are totally destitute, but possess an abundance of everything. They suffer dishonor, but that is their glory. They are defamed but vindicated. A blessing is their answer to abuse. Deference, their response to insult. For the good they do, they receive the punishment of malefactors. But even then, they rejoice as though receiving the gift of life. Christians love those who hate them just as the soul loves the body and all its members. Christians also live for a time amidst perishable things while awaiting the freedom from change and decay that will be theirs in heaven. That's just part of the letter. I was listening to this message and he was describing, he said, can a Christians, can believers change a culture? Do you believe it? But he said, not by dominance, Come on. When we say kingdom come, we're not saying go dominate New Philadelphia and take it over. No. We're saying go love somebody like you have been loved. That is kingdom come. He used a story of back in Roman times, the Christians were being literally murdered, maimed, and they continued to love. And there was a turn in leadership and these Christians who lost an arm or lost an eye were actually invited into the Roman Empire, invited in, and they were being treated well. There was a cultural shift. Why? 
because they didn't back off. They didn't back down. They didn't stop loving through all of the persecution. They loved sacrificially even to the point of death. What a challenge to my heart that we, when we say Tuscarawas County for Jesus, we mean it with the, every fiber of our being, but we don't mean it by the fact that we're going to go take over. We mean it by the fact that we're going to go take over with the love of Jesus Christ. He served. He moved. And he wants you to know you have been born from above and you need to move in the power of the Spirit of God in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood. You have been born from above. Reach into it. Sarah reached into it and claimed the promise is hers. Stand with me. We have to be unyielding, unyielding in our love, in our faith in this season. Amen. In the next moments as they lead us, I want you to take time, take a moment with the Lord and say, what are you birthing in me? Spirit of the living God, I know you are in me. I know you are moving. What do you need me to do this 2021? What do you need me to do today? You don't even have to worry about the whole year. I want you to focus on today, next step. Maybe it's going to somebody in the room and giving them a word. Maybe it's going to somebody in your neighborhood or your family and saying, I want to pray for you. But you need to know out of intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you will know what you are supposed to do next. But we have to, we have to say, I know that I am born of the Spirit, and I want to do what you say to do. So let's go into this time. If you want to come to the altar, if you want to step out into the aisles, if you want to walk around, let's just, I know it's Sunday morning, and I know we have to, you know, whatever, but let's just set the whatever aside, and let's just get into the presence of God. He has things for you today. He has things for you today. So if you want to come, you can. If you want to spread out, if you want to walk around, whatever the Lord leads you to do as we worship Him. Spirit giving birth to spirit within you today.